Um, well, I was I was having fun perusing because much of my much of my morning got um, waylaid. It got waylaid. Um, I sometimes think that uh, I'm trying to figure out how to say everything I want to say right now because I think it's a good conversation mm. in the long run. So had the day figured out, knew my exact timing of where we were going to go, and we were actually going to um, a different, rather than the, the thrift store side of things, we were actually going to go to what's called Legacy. And you can bring all sorts of things that are for sewing, creativity, la 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 la. And it's, it's a cool store to visit. I see... Uh, I, I've been intrigued through the years that I see actually a lot of men go in and out of there if they're looking for like parts for upholstery or you know all sorts of things that are going on. So um, <coughs> we it has recently opened up and I want to give it a, a kudos because it's a great place. It's out in Sebastopol mm -hmm. and it's a really good place if you're looking uh, the way they have things marked down. And so for me, I actually found a whole bunch of. Um, their stencil patterns that had not been open and they're the big full size and these were very expensive originally and all of mine have been lost so trying to replace them has been almost impossible so you know that was one of the things that of course I always look for in different places but anyway we started out the day knowing that we had a very exact timing not knowing that um, our timing was somewhat going to be waylaid and trying to be a nice person I wasn't necessarily being kind because I didn't think it through. Because to me, those two words are different. And I was surprised that you made that call because honestly, I was going to not. Well, it was because I was trying to be nice and I forgot my rule about kindness versus Yeah, I wasn't feeling nice. that nice. So okay. no, Maybe I, I should have pushed a little harder and been okay. like, uh, no. So when I think nice a lot of times I I get in trouble because it means I've actually uh, have not kept boundaries yeah. in place and kindness is a strength but kindness can also say no if it's going to either uh, maybe take away from another person or or um, they could get hurt and a lot of times nice just tries to make everyone play nice like you know you want everybody want everybody on the playground to be nice and play with each other and that's a lie I mean to me that's yeah. always been a lie we're all so different that you know we can't all just hmm and it's everybody swallowing down their feelings instead of being able to interact and communicate and actually work things out right. for real and so that's you know I do have a major differentiation in those and today I I forgot and I swallowed down and went, oh yeah I can work this in and there was actually a different errand I wanted to do that was somewhat important to an idea that I had in my head. And I didn't get to do that particular errand because when we pursued the um, extra that we kind of got waylaid with, mm -hmm. it actually got more involved and everything that was supposed to happen didn't happen and ended up with <coughs> a very... Um, my trunk was full of stuff when I got home that was supposed to have been dropped off. That could not be dropped off because it's not accepted. And now I have to figure that out. And I didn't want to just go, poof. Okay. I wanted to try to do all of this being honoring. But 
it's really important. And I think that's one of the things that you and I have learned to do mm-hmm. was back in the beginning, I kind of gave a heads up warning that I'm not going to be nice. Yeah. But I'll always take your feelings into consideration. Right. And so I did. I I, I blew my own rule today and I played yeah. I played nice. Which surprised me and it caught me so off guard that I didn't think to like cover you know for you. <laughs> and, and like try to like I'm used to you holding up your own rules. So that threw me completely. So I didn't you know I could have been forced but. It must have been a moment. I'm getting old. <laughs> oh no! Oh, you're gonna blame it on that? Wow. Yes, I I had a wow. moment. Um, aren't grandma supposed to be nice? Hi, I'm Karen Ruth. Hi, I'm Joyce Arlene. Hi, I'm Sam Dyer. And we welcome you to Off Our Racks, an ongoing conversation of life, age, journeys, boobs, or lack of them, food, style, making things, books, building dreams, culture, and faith as we get things out of our closets and off our chests. Enjoy the show. But it was funny because I kind of went, okay, and I did something that I used to do as a child when... Um, the way I, I, I sit in the family lineup of number three, which doesn't sound like, oh, that's a bad place to be, except our ages were fairly wide apart. And so a lot of times by the time this one and this one got what they needed and baby got what it needed, it was all of a sudden that realization of, uh oh, you know, because I didn't fit in with the older. And so that comes back to that funny thing of sometimes getting stuck in, uh, and you learn to just go, oh, it's okay, I'll, I'll make do. And that's not really chasing your dreams. And one of the things that I've been really, that's been really important to me in the past however many years is helping people chase their dreams, which means I have to chase mine. But I don't know. I mean, do you have a perspective on that niceness, kindness? Do you catch what I'm saying on how I differentiate them? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think right now I'm trying to get back into being uh say nice words to people and not because I've been brutally honest in what I think is being kind to people of hey I want you to succeed so here's you should probably think about doing this this and this instead of you know say phrasing it in a a nicer way Um, like me with broadcasting right now I got myself in a lot of trouble because I wanted uh, the company to succeed and so I was really I thought I was being kind by saying hey you're not doing your job right we want to succeed then let's do hey let's pay on time let's get our organization up better and because I was upfront and brutal about it kind of threw them off when I could have been a lot nicer of you know maybe we should think about being a lot more consistent about certain things and phrasing it in a nicer way when that was something I used to be really good at that's how I like got through life was being uber nice about everything that I did and everyone knew me as the nice guy (laughs) and so it got myself out of a lot of trouble by being the nice guy but also kind of put me in that box of can I really voice my true self and so I'm I'm now working on that balance of voicing my true self but also bringing back that kindness of phrasing it in a way that it's not hurting anyone else's feelings. I think that's where the you said something about we're maybe more in the middle there of where you're being, <coughs> excuse me, truthful and being honest with them, but you're approaching it in a way that they can receive it easier. Yeah. And to me, that's where I do kind. Nice to me is like, la, 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 it's candy 
coated and you know it just feels yucky to me um like it might be fake yeah it can feel a little bit fake and that's how maybe schmoozing is the right schmoozing that's my normal one i would have told you you know i get i get schmoozed and i don't like being schmoozed that really irritates me and i don't want to do that to someone else and i believe kindness can be forthright and even even lovingly confrontational but if it gets brutal or I'm aggressing because someone didn't hear me or didn't believe me right then or they want their own way, we've just passed to the other side. Like it, it's, it's a meter that goes, whoop. I and, think you know. kindness requires grace. Yeah. And that's an interesting word also. And, and you're going to tell the truth. And, and people misuse that saying a lot, you know. I'm going to speak the truth in love, which really means they're going to be brutal, but put a religious sugar coating on it so that they can hurt your feelings and get away with it and not have to apologize. Well, they will be brutal even without a religious whatever. That's not it's, just, it's true. yeah, we're talking because um, we know that from that side, but also, you know, I've worked with people, it's like, I'm just going to be brutally honest with you and had nothing to do with right. the other. Versus, and it's like, I, I'm going to speak the truth but there's going to be room for communication right. and we get to have a conversation about it i right. guess is more what i'm getting at yeah and so it was funny because that's you know i've been i was quietly processing that just before we picked up our mics and i was trying to catch up with other things from the day and kind of go okay shake it off and that's one of the things that i try to do for myself is <clears throat> I will try to stop and kind of look at like, eh, and maybe the other person needed, and I, I'm still thinking that probably I did what I did because I thought the other person maybe needed me to have the grace to say, it's okay, we can work it into our day. And I don't think most people realize what our actual schedule is and that because of how so many places still have shorter hours and things yeah, like that we don't weird. get to go for long days like where you used to be able to go for a lot of stores um even opening at nine o'clock makes it easier to take care of things and places like this don't they have really limited hours and so by the time we worked it all in and went out of our way with extra miles they couldn't do what we set out to do at all it was one of those, heh, which ended up with, that's why French fries to the rescue. And don't do that to a rescue. But anyway, mm. had, you know, needed my salt. But anyhow, it is interesting, though. Niceness and kindness. Um, mm. pe I've had people accuse me a lot uh, over the past year of, you're just, you're being nice to everybody. You're not just like, and I'm going, this year has been so weird that I think everyone needs to know they're safe to express if they're fearful, if they're having a hard time. Um, you know, I know one of the last times we talked, we were talking about trying to figure out wear masks, not wear masks, what are we doing? And, yeah. you know, it's funny because it's still pretty weird in that sense of people trying to figure out, or at least some of the places we've walked into. And <clears throat> I have been in and out of places recently that um there's now there's now it's dry enough and there's now enough dust and stuff like that and now I just keep pulling the mask back up because it actually feels better to wear the mask and protect my breathing than it is going without it has nothing now to do with COVID vaccinations or anything else it's just now I can't breathe because there's hay fever 
yeah. yeah, I don't know. <laughs> the transition right now of going from our cloth mask now to the N95 mask. <laughs> yeah, if that that's probably yeah change of season. What's your mask going to look like? Okay, let's do this design. Um, I had I had an ask an interesting question asked me uh, at last week. And it did have to do with like, hmm. you know, someone wondering about masks and stuff and me going, you know, I, I don't walk around wearing one at home if you're curious and <laughs> don't, wearing one in the car don't by wear yourself. one in the car by myself. Never got caught or doing that one. Your you know, I usually have to remember to grab one. I am the person who gets halfway across the parking lot and then just goes, <laughs> turns around and goes back and grabs one. Um, but it was funny because I was asked if now, like, you know, are you feeling really nervous and just walking around looking for fires? And I'm like, when has that become an okay conversation of like, oh, look at you. Now now you got done, you know, with COVID. Now you're worried about fires. I'm like, nope. <laughs> you know? That so. also feels very, like, that feels a little backhanded somehow. Like, yeah, especially strange. as people know that you guys have rebuilt your home mm-hmm. from the fires yeah. in 2017 here. Like, that feels a little bit like... It, it feels like they want to see it happen again. Yeah, it's, no, we it's don't want to do that. I don't want to play. You know, disaster yeah. tourism, I think, is the word I'm looking for. Like, like don't... <laughs> Tell about... Wasn't it you that you had the tourists that had come in and wanted to know where, you know, if the fires are always like this all the time? Was that you that told me that? Maybe. Because I've was... certainly had encounters like that. And Isn't there always a fire the... burning somewhere in yeah, Sonoma County well... now? <laughs> and the fireflies? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah, it was odd how that happened and how they even asked, but they weren't from the area, uh-uh. and it was kind of, are we are we where the fires were? And I was like, which fire? Because they've been all over. Yeah. <laughs> like, which fire and when? Um, because you know, part of West County did burn right. last year. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know. It's been very odd encounters sometimes. Yeah. So it's strange. It's now do we add that to you do wine tasting. You <laughs> <laughs> And then you go and look at burned out go. property. <laughs> yeah. How do we add those things in? Um, and you have to laugh the about way, them because don't do otherwise. That. It's uh, an invasion of yeah. people's privacy yes. and something that the survivors of that have to go through and I, we would not recommend that as a as a destination. That part is still weird. Because there are still people that will come in to this neighborhood and they're still trying to figure out um, to see the aftermath of burned areas. And I understand people wanting to know. I get that. And I think all of us have different ways that we want to know. We want to explore. That's how we learn. That's how we process. Curiosity is one thing. You know. But one thing that we... Voyeurism is another. One of the things that we experienced, though, was people actually stopping. I mean, I'm sitting up at the back of the hill looking at just an Mm -hmm. ash pile and people stopping and jumping out of their cars and running and grabbing burned pieces of... Partial items, you know, like, I mean, yeah. things that were just melted and screaming, I got something. Which is theft, and by the way. It was theft, but it was also a total violation of of your space, which is, you know, feels weird. I was not, I was neither kind nor nice during that point. I was just <laughs> mad and angry. <laughs> but, I think that's valid. Yeah, you know, couldn't catch them fast enough. <laughs> so, yeah. 
Um, and but, and it's worth mentioning that that those people were not being either kind or nice to you. <laughs> no, so you know, it would have been yeah. you know. So all of this, it's it is a strange it is a strange world of being going from. You know, are we brutally honest because we don't have to look you in the eye or we don't have to do this or we don't have to live up to what we've said? Is there also a point of frustration of those who carry more of a justice who are saying we could do this? And so it does sound more aggressive because there's an understanding of how to go after that and feeling like, well, if we just worked on it together, we could get somewhere. And then that comes across looking very strange to people who don't understand that style. Um I think there's just all these different communication things that. Yeah. And yeah. there's some people where you could say even something very kind and they would still hear only a criticism or an attack. And don't we believe that's probably from things they've experienced through life? So yeah. they don't know how to yeah. process because it wasn't safe. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> one of the things, one of the things that my mom made a rule was that the dinner table was the safe place to ask any question, talk about anything you wanted to, and you could not get in trouble. The other thing was you could have an opinion, but you could never push it on anyone else in the room. That had to be your opinion, and you were welcome to share it, but you could never be aggressive and push it or demand that one of your siblings or that your parents agreed to it. You could have conversation about it, but you could not push it mm -hmm. it had to be able to have you know conversation which is what I still try to keep going as we can talk and you know have conversation about something because that's how we build communication and that's also been my thing of where I don't know about you guys but someone will say oh she's my friend and I'll say no she's my acquaintance because unless I have spent time and actually put in some hours of really building something with someone to get to know them, to have something, that camaraderie, um, to have, we don't even have to always like the same things. There just has to be that ability to really, you know, move back and forth and grow together, um, which are very different to me than if I've just met you and you don't, just because we go the same place doesn't mean that you know me. Yeah. And I really do that in acquaintances versus friendships. I think friendships take a while. There might be someone that you feel like you did instantly bond with, mm -hmm. which is really cool. But even so, that's still going to grow yeah. as, as you know, time continues. So yeah. it's funny. I am. It's weird how I have these different little, I realize I have little slots for you all of these. You organize people. I, yes. I organize that. I organize my responses. So maybe I need to make a little glossary. <laughs> keep it you in rank my everyone you know <laughs> that but then i also offer to people when they meet me <laughs> and then so that they know where they fit in yeah and they know what you're talking about at that point would their feelings be hurt though if they saw they were you know in a different place in that glossary than they thought they should be most of the time their feelings are already getting <laughs> hurt because oh, so you're they haven't make figured a out that so you, difference but at no. least they would know and they that would, would be understand helpful. it would yeah. help <laughs> <laughs> that could be interesting. Are you gonna have like little photos and little slots and, and yeah, move them around? Yeah. Like, yeah, we could do label, that. Label, labels. labels, so you can move people around. I can and, move and, them like, around, depending yeah. on how that goes. Yeah. Are you it, gonna have like a burn book of like people that like just, just are on your yeah. absolutely not no, I list? Just, I like, just rip those pictures. Of them away. We don't even worry about. It. 
Like um, like Don't that story you told me of someone who cut the photos out. Have you ever known someone that, you know, they the picture was really good, but someone they didn't like was in the picture, so they just cut out the face of the person? Yeah, I've known people to do that. Well, also what's funny about the mm-hmm. like the picking and choosing, putting people in tears, it just reminds me of back in like, what, 2005? You could yeah. really do that like on MySpace. And then also you yeah. had like phones where you had like your top five. And there yeah. were ads about that, like basketball <laughs> ads where Charles Barkley was trying to get on Dwayne Wade's oh top five my. list. And it was a series that went on for years. And so, yeah, no, to, having a tear. I forgot about that. Wow. Yeah. Well, you used to actually say, hey, you're a true friend or not. And people yeah, would get but, pissed. But it is how I still relate to people. And I realized that. Did you used to be able to do that on Facebook? I just realized. Wasn't there a thing? I don't remember that. Am I? I don't remember it. No, it was like a hidden thing where people would like. It was weird when people would. Facebook. Yeah, no, it was more of like people that were super clingy friends that were like best friends forever and like middle school and high school would put people in like say mm-hmm. your best friend is like yeah. your sister on Facebook that. or something like that. Like yeah. people were weird about that on Facebook growing up. But now that people stopped doing that, which was a great upgrade because it was getting really <laughs> weird of like, I don't know if you want <laughs> Yeah, it's like how are the families mingling? Because I did know like some cat. friends in school. <laughs> we couldn't find the word. That think, we couldn't get a family and thing. I think they went that let you're us back on then. mine is the same thing. <laughs> and so went through. We couldn't do it as in somehow how they first had family set up or whatever. We could not get it to accept her as like you know we wanted like mm-hmm. kind of I don't remember kind of a daughter or something we were looking yeah, for something know. that gave it kind of this outside I think you were going to put me in as your stepdaughter and so I think we said point, that we know. came up with all sorts of words and they won't let us do that so we put <laughs> put her in and she's my pet <laughs> <laughs> I, oh I think I tried to change it recently but really yeah I was trying to figure out if there's a way still if they let you put other words in in the relationship and I see mm. other people have some things a little bit different than just father daughter or whatever you know and I'm like still haven't figured out how to make that work but I have to admit I laugh at like if you look at your know, favorites on my phone mm-hmm. um, the favorites on my phone actually were set up more having to do with who I have to talk with and who I have to do business with. Right. And it's probably only in about the last year is it more specific to like, yeah, it is my husband, my son. You know, it's in a different order. Probably these days the most indicative list is like the last five people I messaged on Instagram. Like that's probably actually. Is that? I mean, it's probably you, another member of your family, and my two best friends and you. Like it's it's pretty much a limited, and and one or two other of my friends acquaintances. Hmm. So yeah, I don't know. I think I I don't think of like I'm standing judging. Do you fit in this box or this slot? I connect to it more by how. I relate to someone how often we relate what we're you know mm-hmm. and, and, and stuff like and that and what the commonalities are yeah maybe. so I think that's the other reason why it's it's funny um because we move so much growing up didn't get to have a 
a true like oh this is my best friend that I've had all the way through school hmm. and so I did have a friend from kindergarten that I was able to connect with when we were a little bit older we saw each other a couple of times um and then life just took us different directions and then I have Terry that you know we went through uh, fifth, sixth, well, fifth through ninth grade together, mm. which is a really true bonding time. That's an interesting time yeah. where you do another really big difference there. And she and I have, you know, wandered in and out of each other's lives all the way till mm-hmm. now. Um, but we might, you know, not talk for however many years in between. But there was something that was created at that point that's always stayed. And one of them happened to have been drama. That's what was really funny was... We were so excited that we were both going to get to take drama the next year, and then I moved. She went ahead and was able to pursue, and it's been a major part of her life um, in a different way than how I pursued it, which is still cool, but it was interesting that we still, things that we had shared, like even in sixth and seventh grade, we, you know, still had some pursuant of. Um, And then it was like I jump up to probably not until in my early 20s, and that's, you know, me and Carla, who, once again, we've wandered in out of each other's lives for years, and we just pick up wherever we were from the last time, keep going, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's so weird, because that's one of those where I don't see, I, I recognize the age difference, but it feels like we're 21, cracking up, doing something all over again, you know. And I know the last time we were together and people heard us, that's what it was like. That was the strangest yeah. thing to people. Because there is, there's a comfort and there's a relaxation. There's a depth of that friendship right. that also included being able to battle and come through it mm-hmm. and continue being. And that's an important part for me. Like acquaintances don't usually let you fight with them yeah, and make it through if it. If you can't fight with your friends, what are you even yeah. doing? And like, friends, you should be able, it, it can get down and dirty and you still figure out how to come all the way through it. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's as easy long distance or I think that's one of the reasons why I try to get people if they really have issues not just to text each other because text can sound a lot of ways and um, you didn't actually mean how it sounded in the text but someone else read the words and that's how they heard it being said because maybe of what they were doing Um, so there even I see the acquaintance and friendship thing even influence texting and how, and, you know, family and stuff, like, oh, no, I stepped on their toes. And it's like, I'm going to step on your toes anyhow. So, <laughs> yeah. And I can't have that attitude. But it does. It is interesting because I do definitely qualify. But, yeah, I didn't do the, it's funny. I have to go back. Who did I have? I don't know that I really had MySpace. A lot of these because I wandered into them singularly, not not knowing trying anybody. not to connect to people yes. you knew in real life <laughs> exactly and not trying to connect to anybody <laughs> to sites either yeah. it's more to see how it works what's going on with it and stuff like that and my parents i was aware of myspace and like i knew what it was my parents wouldn't let me have one I'm so sorry. i could only kind of look at other people that's been a problem for you for actually a great deal of your life yeah it has <laughs> I don't have Grow up with strict parents. Every every time somebody mentions something like that's a memory, yeah, I wasn't allowed to do that. Uh, <laughs> I see. And then they say, "Did you have a childhood?" And you're like, "I mean, I I was a kid, but like, I don't know." <laughs> so did you guys do like the social whatever? Yeah, were you allowed to have MySpace? Because <laughs> I wasn't. 
I yeah. didn't see the appeal of actually having an account. I used MySpace yeah. as like yeah, kind of like Pandora, or like yeah. because each yeah, band that yeah, when your band that you liked they had a MySpace thing, like they had like an yeah. autoplay of like going through the cycles of different songs. So that's how I would listen to music was through MySpace. I think my older brother had a MySpace account, but he did very similar things to me where he was listening to music. That's how he was one who taught me about that you could listen to music there. Um, but I didn't really get into like Facebook was the main one that I made my, like my first social media account. But my parents were like, "You cannot have this until it you're like twelve or thirteen. That was the rule. Was, and my parents so, didn't make one for me the way you see some people do, but it was more that that was a big deal. So I had like a major collection of photos because I had seen people have Facebook accounts and been like all these albums I was like I got all these photos I want to share so I just dumped all the photos I had from like when I was 12 13 and 14 and that was the last time I'd ever did a major dump because then I realized people really don't care about what photos you post so I had had the longest stint of not posting anything so it's really funny looking at my Facebook and all the photos I've uploaded because it was like the first two months of me having Facebook dumpster of just photos. And then there's a huge gap for like three to four years. And then another dumpster of photos I had periodically through high school. And then periodically I'd post during college years. And then once I got hit with colitis, I kind of just like ghosted myself away from social media. So, but yeah, starting out if Facebook was the main one and then it was mainly YouTube that I was watching and stuff all the time. And everyone would talk about like Reddit and, all of those forum websites but i was like everyone knew that if you went there it was a giant dark hole of the dark side of the internet could go through here if you aren't careful so you can get yourself in some really sketchy stuff i was like i'm just gonna stay away from that i don't think i ever felt like i had a lot of extra time probably to wander into extra mm. parts you know of like reddit and things like that and even youtube um because what I could see was how easy it would be, you know, to like, then, then I do this, then I do this. So I did not probably draw to that as fast, mainly because I would actually be reading a book or, you know, working on something else. There's always something that was, was taking place around it. Um, one of the other things that happened for me, and this has been an interesting thing even the last couple of years is I don't normally and I I don't and I'm saying this because I'm curious what you do okay so someone who I've actually lived in chronic pain from age 21 on I had pain before but I've been you know specifically chronic pain uh, sometimes to the point of I I kind of knew like these days of the week yeah, I, I prepare for because I can go out and have my smile on. I'm going to dress right. And I'm, you know, going to put my jewelry on. My mom used to call it, you know, like I, I put my war gear on. But it was. It was like face on, jewelry on, dress really nice. And I'd come out of the bedroom and my mother would go, you hurting that bad today? And it'd be like, huh. But other people didn't recognize that. They just saw that I was really, you know, dressed up. So if they ever saw me when I was feeling good, I didn't have makeup and rings and all this other stuff. And then people thought I was sick because I didn't. So, I, yeah, I know you didn't have to deal with, with that side of it. But it's funny how, in a sense, I've watched Facebook kind of like 
people are like, you don't post, you weren't posting that you were sick or that you hurt or, you know, all of that. And it's like, I'm looking for things to make me laugh. So I post to make other people laugh or I look for interesting things or things to make us think. I look for, you know, it's like, I'm not doing this to dwell on my alleys. Like, I don't, I have not done that on purpose. Um, I see other people, they're like, well, this is my voice to try to help other people know. And I do want other people to know that we all go through things. But that hasn't been my way of processing it. My way of processing it is trying to maybe stay mellow in myself and look for things that are, you know, more fun or whatever. But it's hard to explain. Um, and I one, at one point had a specialist tell me that I actually had really learned what you know my my schedule was to the point that I could convince myself to override the pain for a limited time to fit in so that I was social because there were a couple of years in my life where I actually was uh, considered a, a semi-invalid. I was pretty much bedbound, so I wasn't out of the house hardly at all. Um, one of those points being in high school, and I was actually went to school. Um, it was uh, done by the telephone company at that point, and it, the teachers were, they plugged in everybody. This is back in the early 70s, and we could all plug in, take our classes just talking on the phone, and so it was like a very large conference call, which we didn't really we weren't you you didn't normally have those in your house at that point unless you just had a whole bunch of extra lines and so that's how I went to school um we did not see each other we had our books we were working but we did have some classes that we could do commonly or have good discussions with and a lot of the kids that connected so it went over a fairly good area like it definitely would be you know specific like county type setup um and so knew that sometimes during during that journey there were times when one of the voices you got used to did not show up and then continued to not show up they had not gotten well they had passed away so it was really interesting being a teen going through that and so my social world was stolen away at that point during you know you're like 15, 16, 17. So the few times that I felt like I, you know, felt good enough to be able to be up and be out, I did want to pull that together and go to something like be at church, um, be it maybe dinner. Um, but it was interesting because I would, you know, build up the energy. I mean, it really was. It's like, I can go do this because. I really do need some something, you know, past that. So then when back in my early 20s, I go through a brief period of that, but it still does the same dynamics where it really takes everything away from me. Um, it was interesting because then, you know, life gets a little bit better, but I still have things that I now know are going to walk with me through life regarding both back injury and neck injury some things that dealt with that, but then I don't realize that I'm dealing with a very low-lying um, physical experience that everyone's going, are these real or are these not real, da-da-da-da, until this titer starts showing, oh, we have another situation, you know, 
that people are getting and stuff. And I learned to actually adapt to, I have to have energy during this time of the day um, because this happens after I get married. And so I start learning how to adapt so that I can go do things with my husband so that I feel good about, you know, I can do the house, I can keep things going. So then I have a child and I'm still dealing with chronic pain because during his birth, I deal with a situation that happens that just really kind of knocks me out. I actually have a form of a stroke. And it starts this, you know, once again, I'm having to watch how I make my life work and not overdo. Because what I would find when I was younger was I would overdo. I would not be able to do something for, you know, maybe several weeks. So when I had a chance to do it, I would overdo to the point that I would crash and burn. And finally, you know, have gotten somewhere smarter along the way that I was able to do, you know, most of like my midlife years and stuff doing okay. Um, recently, you know, in the last three years, I've gone back into an extreme health situation and very painful situation that leaves me in almost constant chronic pain. And so I a lot of times survive it by trying to ignore it, laugh about it, or figuring out how to make myself comfortable, work around it. But I can no longer do the thing of where I can push really hard and crash because if I crash, I don't pull out of it for quite a while. So from young dealing with some of what I did to the difference in how I respond to it now. And I have a tendency, if someone does say, how are you? Depending on if they're in the acquaintance bracket, they get the, I'm fine. If they're in the friend bracket, I get the, do you really want to know? That's the response they're going to get. And they have to make up their choice if they want to hear, because they know me well enough to know that I'm going to say, you know, I'm hurting. It, I, I won't lie, I hurt today. Um, so if I'm a little obnoxious or a little bitey, because in my head it echoes, it sounds like, I was really mean to somebody, and most of the time I've had people go, actually, you didn't sound like that, but in my head, mm -hmm. because I'm trying to self-protect, and so many of my nerve endings are involved with the pain because it, it's my lower spine, and so it's funny, though, how I cope with that, looking from young to mid to now, and so I'm curious, like, you mentioned colitis, and as a young person, I don't think a lot of people, like, for years... I didn't know a lot of people that dealt with, um, you know, really truly diagnosed colitis who were younger. It was like they were still trying to figure out what was wrong with them. And because I have, you know, some, some sides of that, but not to the extreme that you do, excuse me, it's crazy. No one understands how fast the pain hits and how fast the day can be normal and then the day is no longer normal. Um, so I'm curious, like, how do you... Um, both as a as a guy um, and as a young adult, how does all of this impact your life? Yeah, I mean, it's pushed all of my time frame of how I wanted to do life back a couple of years, that's for sure. Uh, I know at this point I already wanted to be moved out of my house, gone into... Because before colitis, because colitis hit me back in... 2017 when I was just turned 21 
And at that point, I was still questioning what I was going to do for as a career. I was trying to figure out, was I going to go do 3D computer animation? Because I was studying for that. I'd almost gotten my associate's degree on that. And I was about to take off and go try to find a company to go work for. Or if I was going to transition to live action film. So I was in that middle of that transition in the middle of my year of acting classes and I was like, okay, maybe I'll do theater acting for a couple of years, test this out, and then transition to either one that I want to go for. Um, and then I got hit with colitis, and my five-year, ten-year plan completely came to a complete halt right. of um, all of my plans for about three years. I didn't think I had a future of where to go to. Um, I found myself, I tried, after getting colitis and going to the hospital, I think the first month that I was diagnosed, I went to the hospital once a week, that whole entire May month. Uh, first time I went in, I was like, I don't know what's going on. Uh, just to get graphic, it's like I had blood in my stool. I don't know why this is going on. I feel this cramping pain constantly. And so they did a bunch of tests and then they're like, uh, we're going to do a, we're going to do a, a colonoscopy on you. It's like 21 years old. Colonoscopy. Yeah, it's a colonoscopy. What do you mean? I'm 21. I I shouldn't be having to worry about this for another at least 30 years or more. Um, So then, four days after my first appointment, going for a colonoscopy, still feel terrible. Going to the bathroom, almost 20, 30 minutes after I eat food, I have to go to the bathroom, go to the toilet. And so it's like for that week after being before the colonoscopy I wasn't trying to eat and or drink any food because I was at risk of and coming closer and closer to finals at school so I was like I don't want to fail my classes but I also couldn't concentrate because I wasn't eating food or drinking anything so I was starting to lose weight starting to go through all that got my colonoscopy they diagnosed me and I was so bad which with colitis it's you get ulcers in your large intestines Um, and it's an autoimmune disorder. So your immune system is just attacking itself because it doesn't know what's bad and what's good. And so they had to stop about a quarter of the way through the scan because I was so inflamed in my colon that they're like, it's a risk for us to continue on. We know based on what we've seen so far is ulcerative colitis. We got a couple of scans. So uh, we're going to put you on some pain medication. So they put me on a bunch of what was it prednisone they put me on which is terrible (laughs) i hate prednisone it's a steroid that just balloons your face um because your body just holds in all your water weight so you gain weight and also your stomach becomes an endless pit where it will just eat food all the time Um, and you never feel full so i was dealing with all of that and it was one of those things of okay i know what i have how do we deal with this so we had to change and figure out a diet plan for me because whatever I was eating, my body was rejecting and was basically just making me go to the bathroom all the time. So I went to a complete bland food of just bread, chicken with no salt, pepper, eggs, and that was it. Sometimes a little bit of fish, but it was kind of a, those were your four foods you're going to eat 24 seven for this week. And we'll see what happens. Uh, Even with eating just the bland foods and just drinking liquids at times, I was still hurting. So a week after colonoscopy, I'm back in the hospital. And this time, which was funny, the first time I went to the hospital, there was a security guard that my mom passed by. She came with me. 
And that security guard, when my mom passed by, was talking to a different security guard and my mom heard them say, it's like, yeah, there was this really tall guy who looked super healthy and fine. Don't know why he's here though. Yeah. Week comes by, I go back in, same nurses saw me that were like, oh, you're back here. What's going on? It's like same thing, but it's worse. Like I'm hurting way more than I was last time. Maybe there's something different. Take me in. They put me on a bunch more pain medications, heavier dosage. So I'm just loopy, but feeling better now because I'm heavily drugged up and sedated practically. Um, and then another week goes by and I'm like, I, I don't know what else to do. I'm back at the hospital. And that time I was still not eating food. I was laying all the time. Um, if I wasn't at school, I was on the couch laying down, just not wanting to eat anything. So I was losing a lot of weight. In those three weeks, I had lost 45 pounds and it was finals week. My mom was going to school and she had no idea. She had just taken a math test, comes back and I'm uh, at home. My older brother also had just come home from college and he had graduated and he had no idea what was going on that month. So he comes home, only home for about a day and a half and uh, I'm in the bathroom just throwing up and I come out and I'm like, could you drive me to the ER? <laughs> He's like, what? <laughs> so I then get transferred and all three times, same security guard was there, same nurses. So they saw how I was just declining and my body was just went from my healthiest weight I'd ever been in to back to how skinny I was in high school. I was went from 215 pounds down to a hundred and think 68 pounds in just three weeks um so i was just losing weight like crazy because i wasn't doing anything i wasn't eating food so my body was just taking in everything it could muscle fat whatever it could get off of me and so the doctors were like we're uh, we're gonna admit you to the hospital which my mom broke down because we had no idea what to do like there was we tried the bland food diet that wasn't working like nothing was happening and so for that week at the hospital, first 48 hours, I was on just the IV. They weren't giving me anything and then transferred into another 48-hour transition of just clear liquids and then saw like liquids in general, any liquids I wanted I could have for another 48-hour period. And then the last day, they're like, okay, let's try solid foods, <laughs> which that last day was terrible at the hospital for that week. Uh, the doctors, the nurse, it started off with, the nurse, because every day the nurses would take blood, and that nurse took the blood and like all the pain was in our it was in my stomach, and so I was just it didn't matter if you just poked it gently, had just a gentle press, my stomach was hurting, and this nurse took my blood and then threw the vials of blood onto my stomach and was like oh oh every time, she was like Woof, you're hurting that bad I'm like yeah I'm hurting that bad and she never recognized that she was throwing it right where I was hurting, um, <laughs> so got sent and then they also gave me like wheat food which i learned over time over those three years that i can't have any of what the quote-unquote healthy foods like the healthy pyramid that they have like fruits vegetables whole wheat all of that can't even eat <laughs> i think the only thing on the food pyramid that i could eat was maybe meat that was it i couldn't have seeds nuts all of that i had to wipe from my diet because any high fibers would just rip through my colon, which my colon was already so thin from colitis and all that happens. I just, 
I've now had a change of mindset after a lot of depression and mm -hmm. some other uh, stuff that went down of just, yeah, a lot of stuff <laughs> went down. And, and now I'm in the mindset of, okay, either God's going to heal me or I'm going, God's going to find a path for me for me to succeed in my future mm -hmm. and the path that he has for me because I tried three years of relying on myself and the doctors and, and trying to do all this on my own practically because the doctors failed me miserably through those three years. Uh, I had family members and friends that were nurses and doctors and all of them were like, so are they giving you any like heavy dosage pain medication? I'm like, no, they're giving me nothing. It's, uh, I got placed onto an infusion cycle. So every seven weeks I go in get this infusion that dumps down my immune system so it's not attacking itself right. as rigorously as it usually would because um, if I didn't have this infusion I would be getting like I would be bedridden at this point I would be hurting so bad that I would not be able to get out of bed which now it's turned that constant pain to a dull numbing pain that's throughout the day on a good day and on my bad day I'm in bed stuck mm -hmm. there but yeah it's uh it's one of those things of look at look at my schedule and figure out, do I have a couple of free days? Okay, maybe I'll have a cheat day and actually eat real food uh, that has flavor. Or, hey, I'm, maybe I'll exercise and do something crazy and actually move around. Just like I said, like you overworked yourself when you started to feel good. And I learned that also pretty quick of, yeah, let's not overwork ourselves so we don't have four days in a row of just like, I, don't, I can't do anything yeah. going on. Yeah. And a lot of people don't understand the extreme mental battle that is fought all the way through, not only from the pain, but not being able to communicate to people. I do want to do those things. I really can't. I am. I'm not. I'm not being, you know, a wuss or you know. This isn't because I don't want to. I honestly can't because the repercussions I have to live with. You're not going to see. Um, you know, the, the, anything autoimmune is, is actually very difficult to try to explain to people if they haven't gone through it. You know, one of the things that you guys know I deal with along with, you know, some other crazy stuff, but one of the areas that hits me in is actually my skin, um, and my autoimmune system. So when the weather or, or just, I can be indoors, I can be completely fully clothed indoors and the temperature drops too low, my immune system decides to attack my skin that it's the enemy, and I break out in these huge hives all over. And so you start having, you know, one of the first things they told me is you don't go around swimming pools. You no longer get to go, you know, run your bathing suit by the beach. I mean, there's this whole list of things. And you try to explain it to people, and they look at you like you're nuts. And the thing is, um, the younger you are when this starts, it's like, it's harder it's like there's a very do you know what the percentage of people your age with with colitis at all i, uh, I don't know i can't remember i used to know but yeah I, I don't know exactly yeah. but i know a like i have a cousin who has crohn's which mm -hmm. is kind of like a cousin in a way of what colitis is but that's a whole immune system yeah. goes through your whole entire uh, digestive system on right. where you can get ulcers and stuff right. um mm -hmm. i know another friend that has colitis who i didn't even know had it mm -hmm. Um, before me that was in our, the university circle of people 
So there's there's a lot of people that have those issues that just don't share it because we've learned how to fake it and then act normal because that's the best that we can do. <laughs> and yeah. And and it is weird. It's that 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 acting normal um that I think that's why one of the things that has really blown open through through we'll call it the pandemic has been people dealing more and more with different issues that have been hidden, whether it's been mental health issues, health issues, things like that, um, because all of a sudden everyone's trying to find out, is there anyone else out there like me or that feels like me? Um, and, you know, I, I commend you on, first of all, sharing this with us and being open about it because it is, it's so weird. And it's interesting because for years I knew women I knew more women that had colitis. I never heard men mention it at all. It was like, do, do men not ever get this? And so when I finally, um, my older brother actually dealt with it. And when it first hit him, um, because I'd had some other stuff that was going on with my my gut and you know the whole IBS fun side of things, and then slowly goes into you know, then diverticuli snuck in at some point younger than it should have, but all different things. And the stress connection into autoimmune, and once one sets off, it's like this, they stack up and wait to jump off and get you. But I would watch people not know what to do with him when, you know, I mean, he would just double up and end up in the hospital. And, you know, it was like he was, he was in decent shape. You know, that whole same thing of like, you know, what, what do we do with that? So it's interesting because... For me, I not only find myself having to deal with me, but I'm monitoring the people around me. When I was young, I watched my mom and dad. I watched my mom's face. And a lot of times I tried to avoid or hide things because I watched how hard it was on them. But no matter what level, and I have a reason for saying this, no matter what level the chronic pain hits you, if you don't learn how to express it and start learning how, like you've kind of learned, there's a cycle, you kind of know things like that. I kind of know mine. But then yours was like this whole different thing that was coming up on you that still has very low-lying conditions around it as far as numbers and what has been referred to. Yeah. But it had been there actually a longer time, and no one could recognize it partially because of your age or right oh that's not a big deal so what was what was your journey um I think you know and and I think also like I wasn't at a good point of awareness in in recognizing what was maybe normal pain versus not normal pain um because there's a time in my life I, I'm probably I had to have been 18 at at the point that I that things really started showing up. Right, because you had um, mentioned it a few years before that, but then it started right, being... Right. It, it was happening um, a lot. And I think before that, we had always ascribed, like, the pain that I experienced in my joints and in my legs to growing pains because right. I grew rather tall rather fast. Mm -hmm. um, I'm nowhere near as tall as um, our friend Sam here, but uh, <laughs> um, I'm I'm five ten in my bare feet. But I've been five ten in my bare feet since I was probably thirteen or right, so. Right. Um. So I didn't grow much after that, but I grew quite tall very rapidly. Um. And I did have you know all of the growing pains and stretch marks and things associated with that. Um. And so I think that a lot of what I started dealing with got 
sort of chalked up to that for a few years. And then I was in a living situation where I didn't have proper heating. Right. Um, and our winters here aren't very extreme. Um, but it started to expose some joint pain that didn't make sense. Right. And um, I was pretty physically active during that point. And I think I thought I was... I think I thought that it was from maybe overuse or that I was working out too hard or too much. Um, and so I didn't look for any other cause of the pain because I was just sort of very busy and running all the time and um, and ice skating a lot at that point, um, which I also did for work. And, and just sort of, I was so active and so busy schedule wise that I didn't, I just figured it was a side effect of whatever and you know did kind of people tell you to ice or take ibuprofen or you know the normal things you know kind of suck it up and keep going um and then there's a college semester where the pain in my knees specifically is so bad that walking just makes me want to cry like yeah um it, it was so bad um and at that point, I kind of said something to you of, like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where it's coming from. Um, and at that point, we did start to figure out that heat helped, which yeah. should have been a big clue earlier on. Right. And, and right. we didn't really recognize. Yeah. Um, except I would go home and put my legs in front of the electric heater that I had because that did help the pain. Right. Um, when I would come home from skating or, or being out yeah. doing stuff. Um, and I think it was only last year that I really went to the doctor for the first time in a long time mm -hmm. and uh, kind of explained what was going on. And she ordered a bunch of tests. And the long and the short of it is I don't actually have anything diagnosable, but the titers that would have showed inflammation um are ones that can go a couple directions um mm -hmm. and there's a couple diseases as associated with them being out of balance um but if if they go one direction um it goes into lupus and right. if they go the other direction it goes into rheumatoid arthritis right. um and neither of those are words that especially a young person no. wants to hear no. because and i think also the associative like Arthritis is something that happens to my grandparents. Like that—that's not even you know on on the grid. Um, and um, I think at that point it was kind of okay. Like these haven't crossed a boundary into where these factors of inflammation in my body are out of control um, right. to where they would be medically diagnosable and then they just want to put you on a bunch of medication right. and, and <laughs> you start dealing with much more serious yeah. things. Um, so I think what I have had to learn is like where activity does help mm -hmm. um, because my first few steps in the morning, even in summertime are usually pretty, you know, envision your grandma getting out of bed. Yeah. Um, and it, it's a little creaky and a little rusty, but then as I move around, most of the time I don't have pain. It's just my body needs to sort of warm up those joints. Right. Um, and, uh, so learning where activity helps, um, to keep everything moving um and then where 
I've inflamed enough that I actually need to pull weight off and get heat on mm-hmm. and learning that ice is pretty much the worst thing I right. can do. Right. Um, which was a weird learning curve because a lot of people, you yeah, know, especially it was, if you're... It was not an injury. It's right. a condition. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and I think something that I haven't always been good about realizing, even since I've been more aware of what's going on, is the weird, even though it's not the same kind of, not normally the same kind of excruciating where you're just doubled over and you're totally incapacitated... It's having like a low lying, but numb. but constant and completely constant. Like even when you're asleep, yeah. level of pain, yeah. adds sort of a level of fatigue beyond normal life. And then because I've had to deal with some very emotional life situations mm-hmm. over the last couple of years, I think that that probably made a lot of the pain worse. Right. Um, but it also made me less able to deal. Like, the pain made me less able to deal with other emotional stuff, and my emotional pain made me much less able to deal with the physical side of right. it. So I was kind of getting hit from both sides. Yeah. Um, whereas before, in the past, I'd been able to actually depend on my body to hold me up um, while I was, you know, down in an emotional area or vice versa. Um, I didn't have that kind of leeway anymore. And so I think for me, it's been not just learning what I can do physically to mitigate what happens and sometimes it still sneaks up on me and I'll just be you know hobbling till I can get somewhere where I can get warmed up and whatever um yeah it's that nine that you just described that is more of like chronic pain that's more that category it's where it just doesn't go away you always know a certain level of it's there right and and every once in a while I wake up and I don't know if it has to do with the barometric pressure, mm-hmm. with the weather, like we've tried to track various things right. and we don't have a solid handle on what sets it off. But every once in a while I wake up and I feel so much mysteriously better. And yeah. those are the moments when I realize I've actually been in pain right. and I'm just so used to it that I didn't know it was there, yeah. um, which is also like a strange thing to process or, or realize but I have had to really learn how much that I how much energy I expend socially impacts my ability to deal with that and to do normal life mm-hmm. um, and so it's funny like even though I experienced the physical side on a much less extreme level than either of the things that you guys deal with um how I have to manage my lifestyle right. is very similar. Yeah. Um, yeah. And in many ways, not less extreme, even right. though the physical is less extreme. Right. Um, and I think that's also probably, you know, why all of us started connecting. And like, I've been able to learn from your journey, Joyce. Um, but also from Sam, like as a young person, um, and, and also it helps me to feel, you know, probably, and I hope that it does the same for you where it makes you feel like you're maybe not so weird and that other people have to find a way to work around things and you do what you have to so that you can live the life that you want to live. Um, and I don't know, I think, you know, I'm, I hate that any of us are on any of these yeah. journeys, but I'm glad that we get to do it together, you know? I know one of the things that we have found um, 
certain force and and you brought this up for yourself sam but there are certain issues with my body that obviously if i pay more attention to how i'm eating and keep things um cleaner we'll use that word um so i'm i'm not dumping as much sugar stuff like that it definitely helps certain areas, but there's other areas that diet doesn't affect whatsoever. And it gets very confusing because when you have several issues going on, almost every um, uh, medical personnel that you see it has a different thing that they offer. They say, try this. So being the, at this the age protocols now, conflict. yeah, <laughs> they do. They actually conflict. And you ran into some of that with your protocols on like the, there's, you know different things that attack you and the protocol and the eating is exactly the opposite depending on which one you're trying to deal with at that point and you know the the so for me um i was you know nowadays they would consider me close closer to a preemie size i had a heart murmur um i get very ill at three months i get hit with german measles and it damages both, uh, well, it damages one of my kidneys and damages my bladder and it damages my teeth. And so I get it, you know, there's there's all of this crazy going on kind of come out of that. Um, I actually, you know, when I'm nine, they locate the tumor in the roof of my mouth. And it's like the party just kind of continues. It's like these different things don't always function like they should. And so, so my digestion has actually been um, you know, my mother originally would, would tell a story and kind of laughed about it until I started understanding as it was still affecting me as I got older. But when I was a baby, you know, she would go like, would pick you up to burp you and literally it would just, you know, I would, I would, everything I drank, it just would shoot out. And so, you know, pretty early, I'm like in sixth grade and I'm doing gymnastics and I'm dealing with some stomach pain. And they refer to, one doctor calls it like hiatal hernia. Different ones look at different things. But finally figure out that my stomach flap doesn't close all the way down like it should. So I'm dealing with that constant, you know, things that can do everything from affect GERD, can affect different things. But it also affects all of my digestive ability, which finally, like, in, I think I'm around 40 when it actually kind of wipes out, you know, more and more of, of things that are dealing with digestion. And so learning to work around that. So I'm, and the reason I'm kind of saying that is that doesn't include then, uh, you know, going dealing with a, a blood disease that I'm diagnosed with at 14, and then going through an auto accident in early 20s. So there's like this, and I was a pedestrian walking. I was not in a car. So there's like this whole weird thing that all kind of comes together. But the the funniest part, or maybe people would have a hard time understanding this. And this is where that relationship for me and faith are very important is the joy of the Lord is my strength. And it isn't just a saying to me. It's like there were things that I found in places in the word. There were things that I could turn to and I would grab on and, and hold on to those because mentally, if I could think above, like it's the think on these things, if I could think above what was happening in my body, I would feel like I can go one more day. And you know, someone recently told me, it's like, like, do you always just live on hope? And I didn't realize that that still to a certain point is like, it's going to get better the next day. It's going to get better the next day. And some days it does. And some weeks it does. And some months it does. And then sometimes it doesn't. But I, there's too many exciting things in life to miss out on. 
and to not want to do and not want to see that I don't want to give up, you know. And I've I've had to say since I was actually very young, there's a point in my life where I'm saying, okay, as long as I can have my eyes and my ears and my hands, you know, it sounds weird to actually define, but it's so that I can do these things, I can interact, and I can be a part of things. Um, that's still life. That still allows me to to be that part of me. I've had people say, you know, you, you've worn the mask, you took your voice, and I went, a mask has never affected my voice because, first of all, I can yell really loud under a mask. <laughs> but secondly, for me, communication is, uh, it's been my painting, it's been my music, it's been my clay, it's been whatever I do, mm-hmm. but it's also been my writing and stuff. It's always something else. And so it's going after and learning things, um, you know, you might, you might see me walking where you might see me laying someone really where you might see me laying the floor curled up. Don't mess with it. It means I'm using whatever means I need at that point to bring it back down to that, that dull pain that we talk about that nine. Um, so that life continues because if I said, ow, and took medicine every time I said, ow, and when they started discovering actually the level of pain that was kind of staying consistent, it was like, um, I'm going, no, I want to stay on that. His joy is mine. His strength is yeah. mine. I can, I can think on things that allow me to rise up above. That's also why I look for things that make me laugh. Okay. It's why I like things that have to do with children, you know, that like, like little granddaughter literally cracks me up. And, <laughs> and that is a joy that, you know, helps me rise yeah. above. But there's, it's reading, it's doing all those different things. I think there's really something to that joy thing because, you know, you and I were talking about just this morning, you know, when you're going through hell, like you have two choices, you laugh or you die. Yeah. Um, And and sometimes literally Mm -hmm. for both of those. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, if people think that's dark, you know, I'm sorry um, because you need dark and light to make life. Mm Yeah. but it's choosing to find the humor even in really stupid situations. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, I've even seen you use that a lot, Sam, like in, in how you cope with stuff. Um, and, you know, you can lay down and give up and sort of despair, but you're going to still be existing. So you might as well have some fun with it. Yeah. Yeah, it was like that's just like how my family just rolls. Is like something tragic happens that like could have been really bad, but we get out of it to the other side. We joke about it, trying to like that's kind of our healing mechanism in a way of yeah. recognizing, okay, this could have been really bad. So we could have like we've had a lot of life or death situations in our family where we almost lost my older brother and my younger brother, and then same thing with me dealing with colitis. It felt like a are we going to lose him type of a situation and just a couple of days or sometimes a couple of hours after that spill of, Oh my gosh, we almost lost this person. We're cracking jokes about it because we can always stress about the what ifs about a dark situation of, Oh my God, we could have lost this person. It's like, yeah, we, we have a lot of what ifs in life. So it's like, we give, what if we walk out the door and then we're dead? Like you can do a ton of what ifs out there, but yeah. Life is too short. Yeah. You know, I, I'll never forget, um, you know, being in the hospital and my brother's there and he took the bad controls 
And I'll never forget the look on the nurse's face when she comes in because he's going like feet up, feet down, head up. And he knew how much movement I could have. Then he folds me. I mean, he's doing all the stuff you see in a movie. And it's like, I'm just cracking up. Best thing that happened, though, because that's what he was trying to do was to get me to really, truly respond. But it's that thing of like, still standing. Okay, yep, I'm good. <laughs> still standing. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I think that's part of, I want to encourage those who are listening to this that, you know, look for those moments where, oh, okay, still standing. I'm back on my feet. Yeah. Whatever that looks like. Yeah. You know, you know you're, you're breathing, you're mm-hmm. existing. Like, you can't, if you look at the thing that's the problem or like whatever you're dealing mm-hmm. with, all you're going to see is that thing. But you can instead choose to stand there and mm-hmm. say, you know, I'm breathing. I still have the use of, and you can list off, you know, whatever parts of your body are working <laughs> that day. Yeah. Um, and, and then you can say, okay, well, what do I want to do? You know, and I always think about it a little bit. You know, I wasn't super strong on math in school, but um, when you when you start doing algebra and you have those basic equations where you learn about that you have constants like that are predetermined numbers and then you have variables Mm -hmm. um, and no matter what your constants are, there's always wiggle room somewhere. There's always that variable that you get to decide what to put in there to make the whole equation work um, and come out with the right result. And so I think it's just, you know. Some of us might have more constants than others, but as long as you still have those variables, like that's where you can find that joy and stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's like for me, like I said, I went through that dark time of me dealing with a lot of depression, which then culminated into me trying to commit suicide and getting through that. And it was a lot of me losing that hope because of the constant pain and Mm -hmm. because I was trying to do it on my own and through doctors and finally when i saw that the doctors were giving up on me they were like my last defensive well like they'll help me at some point uh because i truly didn't want to believe in the facts that the doctors still had not figured out why colitis happens and they don't have a cure for it you just have to figure out how to deal with it and it was my faith that helped me see that light of yes there are going to be a lot of dark days that happen but there are going to be good days average days that come around and like I said, it's like God is going to either going to heal me, give me a miracle, or he's going to put a path where I'm going to succeed even with what I'm struggling with. And even during that dark time of me trying to commit suicide, God had placed the nugget of doing broadcasting mm-hmm. two months before right. I attempted that. I didn't know that that was where I was going to blow up and grow and that's going to be my future. But because I survived through that attempt and where I'm now, it's like, broadcasting commentating that is my current job that i'm working at right now and it's something that i can see a future in and i'm working at home so i don't have to worry about traveling and going somewhere uncomfortable now but i know in the future i'm going to figure out plans and ways to work outside of home even with this job i'm working with so there is that future even through what feels like there is no future and hope through what we're going through but there is God always know there's a better day coming up in front of you and something is going to come up that you didn't know that was going to be possible. And I don't want to miss what's going to happen tomorrow. So I have to stick around. It's true. Yeah. (laughs) 